Coming up, Charles Barkley and Jewish stuff. What a podcast. It's next. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Protect what matters to you and get a Simply Safe home security system. It helps keep your whole home safe and all the loved ones who live there. Uh, think about, well, summer's coming up, what, in a couple months? Everyone goes away for the summer. You know who knows that? The burglars. You know who knows that you might be gone on Easter if all your cars are gone and that you probably went to somebody's house? The burglars. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. Simplysafe.com slash BS. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where we have a new election podcast called Somebody's Gotta Win. It is hosted by Tara Paul Mary. We did it with Puck. She has a new episode about the debates on Wednesday night that you should check out. I also put up a new episode of the Rewatchables on Monday night. We did Cruel Intentions. If you're looking for fantasy football stuff, I talked to Matthew Barry on last Tuesday. The fantasy guys are coming on this podcast next week. You can listen to the Ringer Fantasy Show. We are like deep diving fantasy right now. And if you have drafts this weekend, check out the Ringer Fantasy Show or check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Guide, which you can find on the ringer.com. Coming up on this podcast, our old friend Charles Barkley, one of the great guests of all time. We're going to talk about Charles Barkley stuff. And then after that, Julia Littman and Mallory Rubin are going to be on. We're going to talk about Adam Sandler's new movie, which is about a bat mitzvah. And we're going to talk about the bat mitzvah bar mitzvah scene and great Jewish pop culture moments in history. Juliet made a list. We reacted to it. This was really fun. What a podcast. I can't believe this is free. You're so lucky. Let's bring in Pearl Jam. We're taping this on a Thursday afternoon. Our friend Charles Barkley is here. You don't get enough credit for how much you love football. Football's two <laughs> weeks away. You love it. This is your time no, right now. No, no, no. Two, it's not two weeks away because they start Saturday with the college. Right. So uh, I'm already been looking at this Notre Dame uh, point spread. I think so. I'm excited, man. I, I tell you what, you know, I think most people know, know me. Football and boxing are my two favorite sports. And I cannot wait. Because like I said, once it hits this weekend, I got it for the next six, seven months, and I'm good to go. And then we got the hoops. The Team USA is happening. What did you think of the uh, Crawford fight? Uh, I was surprised that he won so easily. Uh, I'm I'm glad they finally fought. Because, you know, these guys been, uh, not just these two, but we missed probably... 
10 great fights the last 10, 15 years where guys should have been fighting in their prime. But for some reason, everybody want to be undefeated. Yeah. Which is the stupidest thing in the world. Can you imagine if Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier hadn't fought three of the greatest fights ever? You know, you look at uh, Ali, he fought Norton. He fought Foreman. He fought Norton for, three times. I, I know, but these guys today, for some reason, they want to keep the zero. I guess that's the way the young kids say it. So it was a heck of a fight. Crawford was a stud. You know, I felt bad uh, for Errol. For because yeah. Yeah, I felt bad for him because he's such a great fighter. And listen, Crawford was better that night. And I hope they fight again. I do. Yeah. I hope they fight again. I think that's one of the reasons the UFC has been able to gain on boxing in so many different ways because their guys actually fight. You know, boxing, boxing was able to duck it and yeah. you would just take these kind of safer fights and avoid the fight. That was the big fight because yeah. if you lost it, you're never going to be in the same marketability and, standpoint. And, 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 and you know, if, if, first of all, you're 100% correct, but it's just so stupid because can you imagine like if the AFC and NFC <laughs> didn't play a Super Bowl. Like, right. yeah, 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 we're good. We're good. We don't have to play the other conference. Yeah. We're good. And it's just silly. So I'm hoping this is the beginning of us having some great fights for the next, because there are a lot of great fights out there right now if they just make them. Yeah, I wonder, like, sometimes I wonder if the boxers learn from the previous generations, because, like, Ali was, like, I, my first sports hero, but he fought everybody, and he would fight, Ernest Shavers, you know, when, when the Ernest Shavers was the type of guy he should have been ducking. Yeah. But he fought everybody and put a lot of miles on himself. And then, you know, I think well, there was some real damage later. And I think people are yeah, way more careful with it. Yeah. But listen, it, 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 there are times you have to override your agent or your right. promoter and said, no, 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 no. I want to test myself against the best. But that's yeah. really, that's really the only way you can build your legacy. Yeah. Like, oh, I want to fight the best. And if I lose, if I lose two or three times, because what made Ali and those guys great, if you lose and come back, that's when you're a true champion. Yeah. Just being undefeated, fighting guys who are pretty good, you know they can't beat you. That's not what makes you great. Losing, number one, fighting other great fighters, but also if you can never know until a guy loses what he's made out of. That That's the true test of a champion. Well, that was Sugar Ray Leonard, right? He fought 15 rounds against Benitez. Yes. He fights Duran yep. in Montreal, loses, comes back, beats him. He fights Hearns right away. Like, he fought yes. everybody in his division within three years. And, and, like, that's why he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, no question. Like, yeah, so I, I hope they learn, but they haven't did it so far. Yeah. Um, going backwards, I haven't talked to you since the finals. You and I were, um, I think, diehard, diehard Jokic supporters. And it was really weird, the narrative about him, what people kind of didn't see, and then all of a sudden these four playoff rounds happen, and then everybody's like, Jokic, he's amazing. What a great player. And the evidence was there for years and you were you were one of the first yeah. ones with a platform to be like yeah. what are you guys watching are you guys idiots so yeah, what took know, so long well because you know first of all i love espn i'm not ever gonna bad mouth them but what they the negative of them they've turned a two-hour basketball game into dunks passes 
yeah. things like that. Like not the overall skill. Like it's like say, and I understand, you know, they they gonna show you who dunk great and a couple pivotal of the plays in the game, but what his excellence is just so beautiful to watch. And the thing I like about it the most, you know, Bill, we get so enamored with guys who can really, really run and really, really can jump. And and listen, if you see the crap that I get paid to watch all the time, we got some really bad basketball going yeah. on by guys who can really, really run and who can really, really jump, but don't have zero idea how to play basketball. So I was just happy that you're like, guys, you don't have to be the fastest guy. You don't have to jump the highest. You can be great. Because let's be realistic. There's very few players who are great at basketball just because of their athletic ability. Yeah. You have to have a basketball skill to be successful. Right. Well, he combined qualities of a couple guys that you went against in the 80s. Yeah. Like there was some bird in there. And there was also the footwork was very Michaelish. Yeah, you know, you that's a great point. But, you know, he like, those guys, well, Bird could shoot threes. Yeah, but he, he just didn't it, shoot them as much back yeah, then. Yeah, but also, he's the best passing big man ever. 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 I mean, and, um, you know, Bill Walton had a great run. Brad Darty was a great passer. I'm trying to think. I don't want to leave anybody out. But as far as this guy, well, you played older Sabonis, but he was his oh, body yeah, yeah. was pretty yeah, broken down old, at yeah, that point. Yes, uh, uh, yes, great point. But that's actually, if you want to compare him to somebody, Sabonis in his prime, young Sabonis, yeah. young Sabonis is probably the closest I've seen to a guy who can shoot threes, pass the ball, and take you in the post. Yeah, I mean, Sabonis. Sabonis is the reason we start sending guys like me to the Olympics. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. We should not be sending college players to see Sabonis because that man, he was a great, great player. And the thing that's scary about Sabonis, he gained like 60, 70, 80 pounds, blew out both Achilles, had knee surgery, and still came to the NBA and made the <laughs> right. All Star team. Right. I mean, that's how great a player he was. Yeah, and he was carrying extra weight, all that stuff. It didn't matter. Yeah, I, the thing that I really appreciated about it was his ability to elevate other players, which I think is the piece of basketball that I love the most that isn't assessed properly. And especially as we get more stats heavy and who gets the winning shot at the end of games yeah. and stuff like that. But just somebody's ability to lift teammates up, which I think like even somebody like Steph who's not your typical, like, he's not a Magic Johnson-type point guard, but yeah. the stuff he does during a game opens things up for teammates in all these different ways versus, like, your conventional, you throw the guy the ball on the right side, he beats somebody off the dribble yeah. and scores, but he's everyone else is standing around watching him. I don't like the heliocentric basketball. Like, I saw right. some stat, Luca, 85% of his shots last year were unassisted. Yeah, and he's like, got I to don't, do it. I just don't like that kind of basketball. Well, he's going to have to make that adjustment in this game and stop playing just one-on-one -on -one basketball because it's not fun to, to to play with. And the thing I like about Joker is I played with one guy who reminds me uh, uh, of playing with Joker. His name was Sed Sabalos. This dude never stopped moving. And it took so much pressure off of me because 
if guys are standing still to pick it back on your point, it's yeah. easy. It's easy to guard those guys, especially in a playoff series when you're yes. playing it for two weeks. You just yes. get used to it. Like if I'm one of Joker's teammates, I'm like, all I gotta do is move. He gonna find me, right. <laughs> you know. And it's a nightmare for the defense. It's a nightmare because you know that that thing where you like keep an eye on the ball and an eye on your man. No, no, no. You can't do that with Joker because if you turn your head for a split second. So that's what makes his, his game just so beautiful. He's always going to make the proper basketball play. It right. would be fun. It'd be fun to play with a guy like that. Yeah. I mean, the thing I love about him and I think puts him in this rare territory with only a handful of guys in the history is like you can kind of put him on any team. And unfortunately, yes. like the All Star game doesn't matter. So we don't get to, he doesn't care about it. We don't get to see it. But you just kind of put him around and guys would figure out how to, playoff him. I think it's interesting LeBron has that quality and then but there's been other situations where guys haven't fit with him. Yeah. Um, and I think it's more to do with just that like LeBron has the ball a lot, right? Joker never has the ball that much. And so doesn't, way, doesn't care. And but Bird and Magic were like that too, where they just didn't have the ball. Even though they yeah. had the ball a lot, they really didn't. Well what makes Joker so special is when you have a player you know, Bill, a lot of guys, and I learned a lot of this from Paul Silas, one of my favorite coaches. Oh, he, yeah. says, he says, um, well, what is <laughs> Red Arbor got in my side one day? He says, Paul, why do you do that? He says, what do you mean? Why do you shoot the ball? He says, you're not a good shooter. He says, well, why are you shooting it? He says, what do you mean? He says, what, what do you think you agree at? He says, defense and rebounding. He says, well, why don't you just do that and stop all the other bullshit and we're going to start winning championships. Right. So he should always talk to me about like, he said, that guy's not a great player. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, he's going to get me 30 points one night. He's going to get me 10 points the next night. And it's going to look really good on the stat sheet where he got averaging 20. But we cannot be successful with right. that fluctuation. But the point I want to make about Joker, I don't, I don't know this, but I think he's content. If he has to score 30 or 20, yeah. get get 17 rebounds or get 12 rebounds or get 12 assists or 15 assists. I think he's such a great player. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> if I have to score, I can, but yeah. I'm content. I'm content to get 12 rebounds, 13, 15 rebounds, or 12 assists or 15 assists. And if you don't appreciate that, you just don't know anything about basketball. That's brilliance right there. Like whatever we need, whatever we need tonight, I'm going to give it to you. It seemed like he barely cared about winning the Western finals or even winning the title. Yeah. yeah he cared a little more for the title, the Western finals. He's just like, I got to go guys. I'll see you later. Yeah. You guys could all celebrate. And, and to me, that was the beauty. That's the beauty of him. Like, yeah, I play basketball. It's not who I am. It's not the most important thing to me. And he reminds me of Tim Duncan as far as like, I thought Tim totally. Duncan, Tim Duncan was the most no drama, great player I ever watched in my career. Like there's a lot of great players, but they all bought some type of drama to the table. Yeah. Tim, Tim Duncan, who's the, in my opinion, uh, it's the greatest power forward ever. You know, the best player I ever played against is Kevin McHale, but the yeah. best power forward I ever saw was Tim Duncan. And I was like, and the thing I loved about Tim Duncan, 
when he got past his prime, he didn't give a shit. He's like, oh, it's Ginobili and Parker and then became Kawhi Leonard. And that's part of it. I guess the Joker's probably got a lot of more great years where he's going to be arguably the best player in the world. But I guarantee you when he starts slowing down, he'll be like, I don't care as long as we're winning. I'm going to be right. happy. And that, and that epitomizes Tim Duncan to me. Yeah, Duncan was good with 19 and 10 for about nine <laughs> years there. <laughs> yeah, and, and win he a championship. Still summon it. Well, he could still summon it. Like in, in game six and seven in 2013, the finals. That well, was the I think, Tim Duncan A-plus game because he's like, all right, I'm going 30-15 yeah. tonight. Well, I think you can have flashback games when you get older. Not only yeah. negative about that is you're tired for like the next week. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like once I got paid in my mid-30s, like every now and then I could have a really, really great game. But I was tired for like a week. I was yeah. useless. I was useless for the next X amount of games. I had no ju- – it took me a week, a week to recover. So, yeah, you can have flashback games – when you get older, but you can't sustain them. Yeah, that's a great point because like true greatness is the ability to over and over again be at a certain level, which I think Joker was at, right? And Joker's in his late 20s. That's because he's young though. Yeah, he's in his late 20s. He can just repeat it. You can do it easily when you're young, Bill. Uh, but, but you could see with LeBron in this. I mean, LeBron's been in the league so much longer than I think anyone could, expected at a high level. But you could see in the playoffs, though, like when he would have Couldn't a monster game, he'd have a monster game and he was tired like the next game. Right. And, and that's what happened, though. It, but I, and I think one thing that, uh, really helped LeBron was Dylan Brooks messing with him because mm. that energy he was giving LeBron, even though he couldn't sustain it from game to game, it did give him a juice to get them through that series. And then when they got to play the, the, when they got to play the Nuggets, the take was on empty. <laughs> they got swept quickly. And yet, if you go back and you watch those games, they weren't that far away. You know? And yeah, I, I but think, that, 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 that's not true. That's not true. But I mean, each, so, each one of those games in the fourth yeah. quarter was an either-or game, and then they had Jokic. And they hey, had let, me, let, let me tell you something. Emmanuel Stewart, one of the great boxing trainers of all time, yeah, and we and I talked to him a few times, and I was at these big matches. I said, "Hey, this guy, I think this guy gonna be great one day." He says, "He said he's really close." He says, "Why do you say that?" I says, "Well, he's really close to beating a couple guys." He says, "Well, maybe he's just not good enough." Mm. And I said, "What?" I said, "What?" He says, "Sometimes in sports, when games are close, you're like, man, we're close. The Lakers aren't close." Now, it's going to be interesting, all the stuff they did. But as I said last season, it's all going to come down to Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis is, uh, as much as I love LeBron, I said, if Anthony Davis is not, I said this last season and two seasons before that, I said, Anthony Davis is not an MVP candidate. The Lakers are not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I, I mean, I said, they got very lucky. They had a great draw in the playoffs. But if Anthony Davis is not an MVP candidate, the Lakers are not going to be close to winning the championship. I liked what they did last summer, and I think they're hanging around, right? And I need a little luck, but I, I just think... Well, they don't need luck. They just need Anthony Davis to play. You know, Bill, I said... When, when Anthony Davis was in New Orleans, I said, man, this dude is going to be the best basketball player in the world. Right. And he the, thought he'd at least be Tim Duncan, right? 
Yes. Like for his well, generation. Man, 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 his generation. Yeah. But we don't but that we don't even say that anymore. I've given up on that. I, yeah, I think so, he's I an mean, excellent player, but I I just don't see the consistency of being able to do it three nights a week instead of one and a half. And you know, you just gotta say right now, until he shows us, we we're not gonna have faith in him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and it's unfortunate because like I say, I thought he was gonna be the best player in the world, but now we don't even mention that we don't even talk about that anymore. We just talk, can Anthony Davis stay healthy? That's the number one question. We don't talk about can he be the best player in the world? Can he be an all-star player? Yo, can this dude stay healthy? That's the question we ask now more than anything. Well, you know who didn't ask the question? The Lakers, because they just gave him a giant <laughs> extension. I was surprised. <laughs> they, they're double down. I, I was surprised. I was surprised at that. Um, but more power to him. Hey, whatever they want to pay you, that's what you're worth. Let's take a break, and I got more stuff on this. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 to get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. I am going to have a slew of football podcasts next week where we talk about a lot of my favorite bets. We're doing week one stuff. I have some futures that I love. I'll just spoiler alert, not a big fan of where Arizona might be going this season. Another spoiler alert, kind of like San Francisco, Kansas City, and Philly. We're going to have some bets with them. But we're going to be announcing all of those next week. You can go on FanDuel right now. They have an incredible array of futures. You can find everything. Division title bets, conference title bets, alternate win totals, league leaders, whatever it is, you'll find it. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. Simple, easy-to-use app. Visit FanDuel.com slash BS. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and president select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends September 18th, 2023. No refunds, terms, and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. You know, I was thinking Jokic is the best player in the world. Luka's heading that way. Like these aren't American players. And just the, the selflessness that Jokic has versus like the culture that we've created in this country with what we value with basketball players. You mean how we have, how we... <laughs> How we screwed up basketball with AAU yeah. and things like that. I think it starts with AAU with like, all right, I don't like the team I'm on. I'm just going to jump to this other team. I'm yeah. playing multiple games a day. And it's just the, the grind of basketball versus the concept of being on a team, making other guys better. And just is this kind of where we are? Now, there's some good benefits. Like I like where the Anthony Edwards arc is going, right? But he yes. also wasn't in that whole world. He played football. Yeah. Basically his whole childhood and got into basketball late. So he kind of missed it. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's hopeless, but it does scare me a little. Where do you stand on it? Well, I'm going to go with hopeless. I hate AAU. I think yeah. it's a, it's a negative impact on players. I think they play way too many games, way too many games to, to have these young kids playing three basketball. Basketball is a very demanding sport. 
to have these kids playing three games in one day, it can't be better. First of all, it's no benefit whatsoever to you as a player. It's only just physically draining and putting your body in harm's way. There's nobody in the world telling you to play three basketball games in a day when you're a teenager that is good for you. There's no way physically that could be good for you. Well, what? how many did you play growing up? So, you know, Bill, I wasn't that good. You know, when I grew from 5'10 to 6'5", I never got played in the AAU or anything like that. You know, because that was like the, the why I was such a late bloomer when I grew from 5'10 to 6'5". That's why I wasn't yeah. heavily recruited and things like that. But, you know, we played, we didn't play anything organized. I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm from a small town of a few thousand people. Yeah. But but we played a little bit on the weekend. But that was it. We had not, We didn't have anything that was organized or anything like that. So I never got caught up in that AAU crap, thank goodness. It felt like it started with like the Jalen C-Web generation, like early 90s was when well, uh, this whole infrastructure came into place. When you're a kid, sixth grade, seventh grade, people started to know who the best like 13-year-olds yeah. are. And that's when it took off. Yeah, well, I think we know when they start selling players, basically, you know, they got handlers and right. they they push you towards certain schools. I mean, it's it's just a I just hate it. What, what, uh, what I just don't think is good for the sport. I don't know how you put the toothpaste back in the tube, to be honest with you, because it's such big business now. And uh, and it's unfortunate. Well, it seems like college sports. I don't know what's happening with that, but that's. Basically, AAU for colleges. You could just yeah. swap teams every year. It, Scoot Scoot Henderson's trajectory, like we did this documentary about the G League and he was one of the people in it and he spent two years in the G League, right? And at least like learning how to be a pro and then yeah. just goes right to the NBA. And it's like, maybe, maybe the NBA becomes a bigger factor with some of these younger kids, getting them in like a little more of a structure versus whatever college is now. Well, you know, this whole college thing right now, man, we have just totally, totally fucked it up. Yeah. I'm, I mean, between realignment, between NIL, the transfer portal, I, I don't understand. Uh, I, I just don't understand how in the world that we screwed up this situation. I mean, because you got to, because I, I, I always look at this. There's only a couple of these guys going to go pro. Right. So the other 99.9% get to go to college and get a free education, which I think is a really, really big deal. And between the three things I mentioned, uh, conference realignment, NIL, and the transfer portal, I don't know how this thing going to turn out. And, and it's really sad and unfortunate. It, it really is because you know, all these programs going to start cutting sports at some point. Yep. Um, you know, having kids fly across the country and miss multiple days of school. I mean, that's not a good thing. I and mean, it's happening it, in high school, too. Like there's uh, some high school teams that are flying around. Uh, it, it, but Bill, let me tell you something. <laughs> Nothing shocks me when it comes to money. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing shocks me. Like <laughs> if money's involved, people are gonna find a way to make it or steal it. Uh, plain and simple, <laughs> people are gonna find a way to make it or steal it. 
especially when it comes to sports. And it's really a sad state of affairs. Uh, and I don't know how you're going to fix it. Well, you could, if you wanted, you be you could become Auburn's biggest booster. And I'm already, spend, I'm already. Uh, you you, you could just see, buy a basketball team for a year see, and be like, hey, see, let's try to win the NCAA title. You know, see, and, and see, and uh, number one, I've been Auburn's biggest booster for, for a long time. But what's in it for me? Uh, I don't know. Season tickets? Yeah, yeah, okay. Say, I, I think it's a lot cheaper for it's a lot you get cheaper. To hug for, the coach. Yeah, no, it's a lot cheaper for me to buy season tickets and pay all these players because right. for my because for me, yeah, I, I have been giving tons of money to Auburn for years and years and years, and I'm going to continue to do it. But I'm not going to give them unlimited access to my damn money. Yeah, because it, because no disrespect, my life and my livelihood. It's not dictated by how good my college team is. Uh, that that like I want Auburn to be great in football and basketball and all the sports. Yeah. But the one thing I don't want to be is black and poor. <laughs> black and poor does not work in even in Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida. Being black and broke is never a solution for success. So as much as I want Auburn to be successful. I'm not going to give them unlimited access to my damn bank account. Right. Well, there seems like in the NBA, at least, there's this younger generation of guys, and some of them are on this Team USA. And they did a good job of picking the team, I think. Some of the guys they picked, and they complement each other in different ways. But it does seem like we have at least a younger generation of, all right, that guy. We have Halliburton. You know, yeah. we have Edwards seems like he might be something. I like Mikhail Bridges. Austin Reeves, he's there. So it's not like bleak. Um, on the other hand, I but do it, wonder. It, it's never, it's never bleak. See, I, I, I'm, I don't think we should send. Like I like them sending those young guys. Me too. I don't think, like I, and I'm, I'm not just saying this to you now. LeBron, KD, guys like that, they don't need to play in the Olympics anymore because. It, I don't even think, like, they act like if we don't win the gold medal, it's going to be like the worst thing ever having a civilization. I actually disagree with that. I think it'd be great because I think it would really help popularity in one of these little third world countries if they won the gold medal. Can you imagine if, uh, I mean, if France, France won the gold medal, how popular was basketball become in France? My favorite Ger part about this is you yeah. just called France a third world country, which I, uh, well, fully I, I, I love I, it. But, but Germany, <laughs> if Germany won the Olympic gold medal, can you imagine how popular basketball would become? Because yeah. if you actually go back and look at history, all these young guys who, well, they're old now, they retired, they're stars. They all said to me many, many times, their first recollection of basketball was the dream team. Right. And I, I, that's a great compliment. And I think that's what David Stern really meant to do when he started sending us to the Olympics. But like, if some other country won the gold medal, that'd be great for that country. I think it the talent on yeah. these countries, Canada, France, Germany, like these, these are like real basketball teams now. Even like Germany, we played them yes. on Sunday. They yes. had both Wagner brothers and Schroeder and Tice. And I'm like, this is a yeah. real basketball team. 
Yeah, it is. But also, like I say, I just think it'd be great for basketball. We yeah. made it a worldwide game. Right. People act like if the United States don't win the gold medal, it's like, oh, it's World War Three. It's Armageddon. I'm like, no, it's not. It's going to popularize basketball in one of those countries even more. That summer was the greatest summer that ever happened for you. Because you got yes. traded and you ended up on the dream team and you were like the big winner on the dream team. Everyone knew Jordan yeah. was the best player in the world, but you were like the quote unquote surprise, except for the people that actually fucking watch basketball. I'm like, yeah, Barkley yeah. was like 28, 12 and five every night. What are you guys surprised yeah. about? Yeah. But you like yeah. ran through that tournament roughshod. Yeah, it was really cool because uh, Phil Jeff had worn me down. Yeah, because it, it's hard to play when your team sucks. You know, I will never forgive the seventy sixers for fucking up the uh, Brad Darty situation. Yeah, because that's when my career started going downhill in Philadelphia when we traded Brad Darty for Roy, Roy Hanson, who, yeah. a good good player. But also, people forget the second part of that trade. They traded Moses Malone to Washington D.C. for Jeff Rulin, who never played with me. Because his knees was because his knees were so bad. Yeah. So, so I rem I remember we went out and got drunk that night before the draft. I'm like, man, this is gonna change the whole. I says because I was actually I think I was like made my second or third All Star team. I was beginning to start my prime, and I was like, man, I'm gonna have Brad Darty for the X amount of years. I can't wait. And we had went out and celebrated. And I remember Phil Jasner calling me like five o'clock in the morning, a great sports reporter from Phyllis's. And I said, Phil, why are you calling me at five o'clock in the morning? I just got home and I'm hammered. He's like, well, we need to talk about the trade. And oh, I said, no. what trade? He said, the Sixers just traded. I said, wait a minute. First of all, the Sixers aren't that stupid to trade the number one pick in the draft. He says, yep. I said, Phil, let me take a shower and call you back. So I took the quickest shower in the history of civilization. And he says, you guys just traded the number one pick in draft for Roy Henson. I said, no way. He says, well, it gets worse. I said, what can be worse than trading the number one pick? I said, Brad Dart is going to be an all-star for the next five to 10 years. Yeah. He said, well, they, they traded Moses to Jeff uh, for Jeff Rulin. I said, Jeff Rulin hadn't played basketball in two years. And from that point on, everything started going downhill in Philly. And man, I played like my last three or four years. I made the all-star team every year. I was putting up 28, 14 a night, four or five assists, but it was obviously to no avail. Yeah. And then from that point on, man, it, it was brutal in Philly. So when people talk, when they look at like Dame Lillard now with the trade requests that we've been talking about all summer, to me, there's like two different versions of that. One is like the situation you were in where it's like, I've been great every year. You guys have actually done me a disservice. Maybe it's time for me to go. And then there's a situation like Dame where he's a little bit older. He spent his whole, spent his whole career there and he's just decided for whatever reason, yeah. I'm, I'd like to go to Miami. And they well, can't I, accommodate it. And I don't yeah. even know like whose side should I be on in something like that. Well, listen, I, I think Dane's request was unfair, only going to Miami, because Miami don't have any assets. Yeah. Like, when I, I didn't tell the 76ers, what's really, what's really... <laughs> the, the 76ers trade was an yeah. all-time bad trade, though. 
But I will tell you what's really funny about that story. And I haven't told many people this. So I had gotten arrested uh, in, uh, in Milwaukee for fighting yeah. that, 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 that season. So I'm in Milwaukee all week on a trial. I get acquitted because I didn't do anything. Me and my agent, my attorney, had been working on a letter all week to send to the 76ers, telling them, I, I said, hey, you know, God, Philadelphia's been great to me. It's a great city. I don't want to alienate the fans, but I'm never coming back to Philadelphia again, ever. Yeah. I'm never going to play on that court again because y'all y'all ruined my career, blah, blah, blah. So I fly back home Friday night. I'm buying, I think I flew Southwest. I'm buying everybody on the plane drinks. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic I got acquitted. Yeah. I get back home Friday night. Me and my friends go out. I say, yo, I'm mailing that letter Monday freaking morning to the Sixers. Yeah. My agent calls me Sunday and says, hey, you getting traded to Phoenix. I said, what? And I said, man, this is the greatest thing ever. And I got traded to Phoenix. But to piggyback on you. And, and you were like, so it was Kevin Johnson and who else was in the trade? They're like, no, no, they're actually keeping <laughs> so, Kevin Johnson. You're like, what? I, know. I, I said, <laughs> I don't the, care. This Just, is the double greatest day of my life. Yes. And so the only problem I had with Dane, he says, hey, trade me. get Try to put me in the best situation. But they can't screw up their organization taking pennies on the dollar. Yeah. I don't think that's you cool and I are aligned on that. Well, you yeah, almost, yeah. there were some other possible trades with you because there was, I didn't that, care, but there was a, I, there was a Portland trade. I think Portland blinked. It was like no, Kevin well, Duckworth and Jerome yeah, Kersey they, and they didn't Portland, do it. Portland, Portland screwed me, Bill. Uh, let me tell you what happened. Cause that was Probably. before Phoenix, right? It seemed like it was yeah. going to be Portland. You play with Drexel. Huh. So I actually, flew to Portland on my own dime and didn't tell anybody. I called the Trailblazers general manager and said, hey, can I come to Portland and sit down with you? He says, why? I says, I'll explain when I get there. So I fly to Portland. I said, hey, you guys are not going to win the championship with these players y'all got. He says, They just lost in the finals to Jordan and yes, it didn't says, go great. I said, you guys, the only thing y'all missing is a low post presence. Y'all got the probably the deepest roster by far in the NBA, but when y'all get in the half court, you can't score. Yeah. I, I said, yeah, because they were too deep at every position. They had a, they, probably the most talented team, just talent-wise, I've ever seen in the NBA, to be honest with you. They, had, they were too deep in every position. You know what's sad is my beloved Celtics the last two years reminded me of those Portland teams. Like That's super exactly talented right. and just kept yeah. blowing playoff games. Just kept turning uh, turning yeah. it over. And half so our offense, a disaster. Yeah, a disaster. And I said, hey, trade these three or four guys. We'll win a championship. He says, let me think about it. He called me like two or three days later. Says, We're going to stick with what we got. I said, well, I appreciate you taking my meeting. Yeah. But you're not. And I, and I, we, so we just bumped into each other later. I said, I told you you weren't going to win. You got you to, at some point, the game going to slow down. You just can't go run and gun. Yeah. I said they had the best record in the NBA like three years because they just wore teams out. But in the half court, they they really struggled. It's a good what if. And then Phoenix yeah. just swoops in. I think Miami feels like 
they're going to end up with their version of Hornacek, Perry, and Lang for Dame. That's not fair to. I just don't think Portland's going to do it. No, they should do it. They should trade. Listen, you know, Dame one of my favorite players, but and they have been they have treated Dame great. Yeah, but for them to take pennies on the dollar, I just think you can't run your organization like that. Hey, Dame, we want to do right by you, but we want to do right by our organization too. And they need to leverage the fact that he loves basketball. I'm sure in December he'll get traded, but I I don't see it (laughs) before the year. What did you think of Boston's Porzingis gamble? I haven't heard you talk about that. If you have, I, I think apologize. it's I think it's worth the gamble. So I do. you're I pro think, Porzingis? I am. I think he's a because I think what people when people talk about trades, he doesn't have to be your best player. He don't have to be your second best player. Yeah. But not many guys going to bring players off the bench as good as Porzingis. Yeah. So I, I thought it was worth the trade. And uh, the Celtics are going to be one of the favorites in the Eastern Conference again. They're right now the title favorites. They're they're on FanDuel. They're plus 470. Well, and also, I got to give Coach Missoula a lot of credit for upgrading his coaching staff because I thought his inexperience showed at different times. He was a little salty. I'm like, yo, man, hey, relax. You can get criticized. You can make mistakes. I mean, I asked Mike Brown. I thought Mike Brown made some mistakes uh, in the playoffs. I thought that he should have went to the big land kid because he, there was no way Sabonis, as much as I love Sabonis, man, uh, dude, what's his name? What's the big center name? Looney? Looney yeah, was just on, Looney. too, he was just too big, too strong. He couldn't keep him off the board. The guy was getting like 10 offensive rebounds a game. Yeah. And also, I thought he made a mistake not playing Davion Mitchell because Mitchell was playing great. But for some reason, he went to that other backup point guard and Steph just owned him. I mean, so I thought as as much as I like Mike Brown, I thought he made two mistakes in that series against the Warriors. He should have went to Lynn and he should have kept Mitchell out there. And so but for some reason, Coach Missoula think he's too good to get criticized. It was rough. I mean, I, I had some sympathy because he got thrown into a pretty weird situation. They had also lost Will Hardy to the Jazz. And then they lose yeah. him as a so now he has basically, you know, the B list assistants. And then, you know, I, I think that he had some history with some guys on the team. Like he was friends with Grant Williams. Now he's got to coach yeah. him. He Marcus, who felt yeah. like he was Mr. Celtic. And I, I think that got a little rocky where, you know, the Marcus is I just don't think that went well. And I, I wasn't surprised that those were the two guys that left at the end of the yeah. season because I think he had problems with them. Well, I, I think anytime when you're in the I, I think the biggest mistake he made, he didn't have any strong assistance. Right. Uh, he should have he, he, he should have jumped in and grabbed somebody. Got somebody because like even during the season. Even during the season. Because you know, the, the best he had was Damian Stoudemire, and he left mid season. Right. Because you need, I, I, this is just my personal opinion, you need strong personalities because uh, on the bench, Bill, because, hey, all these guys got egos. All these guys got egos. And if you're a nice guy, and it, I think it's hard to be a coach when you're a nice guy. You got to have a, an assistant coach who's an asshole. And there's times, as, an, as a head coach, you got to be an asshole. And so for Paul, Westfall, who was like his assistant that was like Paul the, Silas and oh. Lionel Hollins. Oh, yeah. Oh, you had Lionel and Hollins I, too? Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, let me tell you something. So I was struggling one game. And 
I was really struggling. And Dan Barley kicked my ass. But my, my, three guys always could kick my ass and pick me up. Uh, Derek Smith, Rick Mahorn, Dan Marley, three of my favorite teammates all time. But one game I was struggling. I don't know if I was mentally tired, physically tired. It was what it was. And Paul knew how to push my buzz. He starts yelling at me, telling me, yo, superstar, why are you out there shitting up the joint, playing awful, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was in a bad mood because I knew I was playing bad. Yeah. And I said, hey, if you keep yelling at me, I'm going to come over there and punch you in your fucking head. <laughs> he, he says to me with a straight face, you got a head too. And we <laughs> laughed about it later. But there's times a coach has to say, like, if you don't play better, and because I said, I said, yo, man, if you keep yelling at me in front of these guys, I'm going to kick you. I'm going to come over there and punch you in your head. And he says with a straight face, you got a head too. And from Amazing. that point on, I, I picked it up. But you need to have a coach over there. Because let me tell you something. No disrespect. If Coach Missoula yell at you, you're not intimidated at all. But you right. need you need a coach over there who can yell at you and you're like, yeah, he probably will kick my ass if I don't pick it up a little bit. I mean, Paul Silas, most revered player of the 70s with the other yeah. players, like an all-time uh, legend. Everybody yeah. loved him. I, I love that Cow guy, man. Cowens quit playing basketball yeah. when they traded him for like, yeah. he, he went and drove a cab for a couple weeks and he was upset. I love Silas, man. He was the best. Let's take uh, one more break. Come back. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. Your guys, the Phoenix Suns, your team. I mean, you have seven teams. I, two, I would say it's two, one of your top two, two teams. Two. Two. One of your top top two I, seven teams I got, that you Bill, have. Bill, I got two teams. I got the Sixers and the Suns. And like, there's a couple more in there. Um, yeah. A couple of players that you love. But your team, Ishbia buys the team. Yeah. And he just says, you know what? Everyone's afraid of this luxury tax. Everyone's afraid of trading all that. I'm zagging. I'm going against it. I'm just putting together this team. I don't care what we look like four years from now. I don't care how much yeah. this costs. Throwing all these dudes together, and they make some moves that I did not believe in until they got the Eric Gordon piece. And that was when they got Eric Gordon. I was like, "All right, that's a five at the end of games that actually makes sense." If they if Vogel can get DeAndre Ayton going, it was that I went from thinking this is stupid. It's going to be a classic new owner buys the team that thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and then some doesn't realize and spends yeah. all this money to now thinking like, all right, the West is kind of open. What if Denver mm -hmm. one injury, who knows? Um, I, and Booker as the focal point, of everything. And then if they get Aiton going again, it's like there's at least a case to be made that they could win the West. Right. 
Oh, hell, hell yeah. Okay. They're, um, they're probably the co-favorite with the Nuggets. Yeah, I, would, uh, I, would, I think I would have them too. But yeah, I think yeah, the, Gordon, I, the Gordon piece, like that's what the 2011 Heat, right? They didn't have the Eric Gordon. It was, that was yeah, where they fell I, apart. I, they didn't have but, that but, role but it, guy. But it's still, to me, going to come down to the Aiden piece. Because right. to me, he's the most important piece. What I mean by that is he's going to have to do all the dirty work. But they, first of all, they're going to have a really small team. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not sure how great they're gonna be defensively. Oh, I, I'm just assuming yeah. they're not gonna be good defensively because okay, you're gonna, you're gonna be but, asking but, Durant but, to guard guys like Jason Tatum. Yeah. But you're gonna have to get some defense and rebound, and that's all gonna come down to Aiden because he's the only guy out there gonna have size. He's gonna have to. And listen, would you see him the, in the in the USA, the Bahamas, that Olympic yeah, qualifying yeah, that, thing? That, that, Aiden's that, that, like, whoa, Aiden's got to hop in a step. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything because. What's going to happen when the season starts? He's not yeah. going to get any shots. So I'm pretty, right. hey, hey, when it, so that's when you realize guys who want to do the dirty work like a Paul Silas. I played with a guy like Mark West, a yeah. guy like Robert Paris was a great guy for the Celtics back in the day. Uh, you know, like a Byron Scott, Michael Cooper, guys like that who were hell of a players who. If you come to work and don't get in the shots and you're still going to help your team win, that's what Aiden going to have to do. Because yeah. KD, Booker, Bill, they're going to be option one, two, three, one, two, three. And he's going to have to go out there. He's going to have to be a rebounding machine. He's going to have to be a, be a shot blocker to a certain degree. So to me, it's all going to come down to Aiden. They're going to be able to score on anybody. But – are they going to get big rebounds? Are they going to at least try to have him out there to clog up the post a little bit? Are they getting so, stops? That was one thing. Denver was able to get yeah. stops against the yes. Lakers and then yep. the next round against Miami. That's because you got Aaron Gordon. Yeah. You, but they did lose Bryce Brown, who I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. So, you know, Denver, you know, but they said they said they're happy with their young guys. Well, they think uh, Christian Brown can come in and... Oh, I, ooh, I love him. Yeah, so they I need him Christian to basically Brown. take those Bruce Brown minutes. They'll yes. make one trade, too. They'll get somebody in February. Yeah. I feel... Don't you feel like Joker has reached a point a little like where, like, Tom Brady got to at the Pats and some some other guys over the years in different sports where team, guys just want to play with them? So when we get to January, February, they might be, like, one buyout guy every year just because people will be like, oh, that'll be fun. I get to play with the Joker for four months. Yeah, I, maybe I, win I, a title. I, I agree with that, uh, but like I say, that, the the thing is, you know, it's interesting. The Lakers, I like what they did this summer. Me too. You know, the Suns are going to be good. We know that. We know the Nuggets are going to be good. The wild card is the Pelicans. Uh, yeah, it's all. I, the, I, it, I have it, that it, as a wild wild card. It's a wild wild card because it all comes yeah. down to Zion's health and his weight. Because they got a really good team if everybody's healthy. Right. And and if he's healthy, it's a big what if. And uh, I'm trying you to think. You wouldn't put Golden what, what State about, on the wild card team? Uh, they're going to be solid. They're going to be solid. I tell so you're you, not sold on Chris Paul like being a role I, player I, on that team? I'm not. I'm not. And don't forget now, let's don't sleep on the Sacramento Kings. I mean, they might be the third or fourth best team in the Western Conference. Now they got confidence. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, so, man, I'm telling you, the West is going to be very interesting. I would take Sacramento over Golden State. I like that they got a taste of it last year and got kicked in the teeth a little bit. Learned some lessons. Murray's yeah. going to have to get better. I thought Sabonis was hurt last year. I thought the first half of the year he was better than after he hurt his hand. I he never did, felt he like did, he was quite he, the he, same. He, he did get hurt. I saw they signed this uh, MVP from overseas. Right. Venka, I can't remember his name. It begins with a V. But yeah, yeah, they think he could play. Well, you know, but on the other side with the East, and we, I talked, uh, I did a podcast the other day and was talking about advice for James Harden. And it was like, Shit. hey, James, you have your Shit. best chance to just stay in Philly to be a one seed. Everyone in the East got worse. Yeah, yeah. I, I, actually I think it's time for the Sixers to move on. My personal opinion to move on from James Harden. Make the best trade possible and go on. But nobody because, wants him. Who wants him? Well, that's a good point. Uh, that, Even the uh, Clippers were like, "All right, we'll give you some expirings, and we'll yeah. throw in, um, you know, a couple, couple Jenga stacks." Like, yeah, I, so, I, nobody's offering anything. Yeah. Well, what I but I, I think it's 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 just time for them to move on from him. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, hey, just make the best trade because if he come there, he's gonna be miserable. Right. I, I think he holds Maxi back. I think that's unquestioned. Yeah. So I, I just think, hey, man, give us a couple good players. Let's turn the team I don't even think up. you're getting that. I think you're getting expirings. Well, he's expiring too. But that's the thing. And I think yeah. if you're Philly, you're like, you, you have the 10% chance he actually comes back and plays well and kind of gets reinvested. Versus no, like the zero no. percent chance with any trade. He, he, he's not. He's not. He's he's done in Philly. That the, how, you know one, what what is history? What is history? How does history remember James Harden? In your opinion, he's a he was a hell of a player. He was a hell of a player, but he's past his prime, and he wants. And like yeah, man. Nobody's gonna give you a long term deal. You pass your prime. First of all, you're making thirty six million dollars this year. Don't act like that's chump change. He's made and like three hundred over the year. I mean, the last ten years, I, he probably made three hundred million. Easily three hundred million. I think that's closer to five hundred million. I mm. think I saw that stat the other day. But you know, he he's past his prime. He's gonna make thirty six million dollars now, and then he's gonna have to take less money if he want to continue to play. Plain and simple. I don't. I just feel like to me, it's like a Carl Malone situation where I'm not going to be able to separate, in his case, the playoff stuff. And Carl had the same thing. Like, it's really hard for me to think about Carl's career without the playoff yeah. stuff and just feeling like he kept coming up short in the wrong spots over and over again. But he, Carl, at least was playing year after year, yeah. stayed in shape, stayed with the same team. James should quit on three teams, which we've I never know. seen in the history of the league. And he wonder why they won't give him a long-term deal. You can't. He should be a year-to-year -year guy. But so should Kyrie. And Kyrie got three years. Maybe he sees that. And he's like, well, Kyrie, how did he get a three-year deal? Why can't I get one? Well, I think, I, I don't know. I, I was surprised that Mavericks did that, to be honest with you. Me too. I personally, just my personal opinion, as an amateur GM, I would have did a sign and trade to try to rebuild my, my team. Because I don't think the Luka-Kyrie thing works together. You know, yeah. everybody's like it was a small window. I said, you see that window? They they don't they don't complement each other. No, nope. I actually I actually thought that the, the Mavs are going to do a sign and trade 
I thought that would have been the best way to, for their team to get better. Now, now they're married to each other, and I just don't see that thing working in Dallas. But I actually thought they're like, okay, Kyrie, you and Luca don't fit together. Let's try to do a sign and trade, get Luca some help, and get you to a situation where you can be on a good team. But that's but another I, another example of because I always hear stuff like that. I'm like, all right, go through the teams. Tell me the team. They, I'll send you the trade machine. Go look at all 30 teams. You yeah. Tell me which one is like, cool, I get to get play with Kyrie. That's why I feel like it's going to be the Lakers in like February if it gets traded. Because they they did that D'Lo Russell contract. Yeah. Like very specifically where it's like a big fat number. He waived an option. So they basically overpaid him to be a trade asset. And they could put yeah. him with Rui or whatever. And I just feel like yeah. if Kyrie gets traded, that's where it goes. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Like I say, I was surprised they gave him that much money. But like I say, I, I don't think the Luca Kyrie thing's going to work. And uh, me neither. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, last basketball thing, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, who you talked about a lot in April, May, June. Th was there a guy from your era like this, like almost like this late bloomer guy who wasn't a superstar, but yet? could levitate with the superstars over and over again. You know, we see this in other sports, but not really in basketball. The guy who's like, I know I'm not like 12 months a year as good as these guys, but in a series I am. That's a really good, good call. Because um, I was thinking you know, one guy from your era who I know you love, but like, to me, Andrew Tony was like that for a couple years where it's like, I know he's he not one of the best basketball players, but he's the single most terrifying player in each series. So maybe we should regard him that way, but nobody did. Yeah. But, but I think what happened with Andrew was he was great, but the Sixers were not going to just give him the ball. Right. And let him go isolation. Yeah. So nobody knew how great, great he was until the playoffs against the Celtics. And they had to go out and get Dennis Johnson to stop him. Yeah. Yeah, Thank God. but but because the Sixers didn't play like that, uh, so, so there's so basically you, nobody like Jimmy Butler that you could think of. Because it's a it's a really interesting career. Well, in, now, fair, in, he, in, fa in fairness to, to to your question, you man, I've been retired for 23 years. If you said some names to me, I could probably you say the man that got for help. Yeah, but like I say, dude, it's it's hard for me to imagine. I've been retired for 23 years. Can you believe that shit? I can't believe that. 23 years I've been, like, I was telling somebody, I wonder what percentage of players in the NBA weren't even born since I retired. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like it's probably, these, There's probably like 125 guys who weren't born when you retired. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but you're in my top five. I get mad when people don't realize how good you were when you played. Like Magic, Magic was in the news again this week where somebody on TV was like, Steph Curry's better than Magic Johnson and it turned into like a 24-hour thing. And it, and it was just like, Magic's one of the best five players of all time. Let's just, yeah. can we just put that in cement? Nobody is passing him. Well, and, but I, as the years pass and, and the memories fade, it just starts to happen. Well, it's kind of like, uh, listen, you know, I love LeBron. I love LeBron, but most of these people who are defending him as the greatest ever probably have never actually seen Michael Jordan actually play. 
The closest yeah. they've come is that documentary that came out last, the last day. Yeah. But but they actually never seen Michael Jordan play. And also, you know, I always feel bad that Kareem get left out of the conversation as the greatest player ever. Yeah. Because but and I can say, and I that's why I say I think it's lazy when guys throw that out there. Because I said, yo, man, let's you just you generations. Let's don't like right. you never even you ever seen Michael Jordan play. You never saw Kareem play. I says, what about Kobe Bryant? I says, Kobe's the closest I've ever seen to Michael. Yeah, you know, and and, and I love LeBron. He's unbelievable. But when these guys be having these conversations, I says, what did you you saw the last dance? Because let me tell you something. I played against Michael every year in his prime, and it was beautiful to watch. But going back and watch that last dance, seeing what the Pistons did to him, yeah, trying to physically whoop the hell out of him, and him not complaining, just getting bigger and stronger. I'm like, damn, this guy was the greatest, in my opinion. Yeah. I says, look at the beating this guy's taking. And listen, you got to anybody, even today, you have to admit it's a lot easier to play basketball nowadays because you can't hit anybody. As much as I love Steph Curry, and I love Steph Curry, can you imagine if the bad boys was beating the hell out of him? <laughs> can you get, Bill, can you imagine that? As much as I love Steph Curry, if you think that he could take those blows that John Sally, Dennis Rodman, Bill Lambeer, yeah. Those body checks that they were putting on Michael and Scotty and myself and guys like that, you really think Steph Curry wouldn't break? Well, think about, I think one thing that your era doesn't get credit for when they start comparing everything and there's like, well, LeBron played 20 years. It's such a better career than Jordan. <laughs> yeah. You know, that there's all this stuff that can allow people to play that long. You know, like if Steph had come in in the 80s, his ankles would have ruined his career in six years, you know? And conversely, yeah. Bird's back if you transport him 30 years ahead and they have all the stuff they have now, Bird probably could have played six, seven more years. You know? Easily. And, th and that's what I think when they talk, when they compare stuff, like Jordan playing from 84 through 98 and then coming back for the extra two years with the punishment yeah. that he took, but not yes. having all the shit they have now. Well, he has to have hyperbaric chambers hey, and, hey, hey, and hey. chefs. Hey, Bill, I'm so old. I flew commercial like my first three years. <laughs> hey, I, I'm so old. I flew like commercial like my first three years right. in the NBA. And you're hanging out with the writers, so they're getting uh, information from oh, you. Uh, not only that, my first couple of years, because I played with so many veterans, I had to ride and coach. You know, yeah. we'd, get, we'd get to the game, and I said, yo, man, my shoulder's killing me. And they'd be like, what's wrong? I said, I had this old-ass lady sleeping on me and coach. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I mean, you, I'm like, I couldn't wake this old lady up. She's yeah. leaning on my shoulder. I'm back in 17D and I'm tired too because we played the night before. And I was like, you get to the game. I said, yo, man, you got to do something about my shoulder. And she's like, and I'm telling you, yo, man, some old lady fell asleep on my damn arm and I didn't want to <laughs> wake her up. I mean, that's how damn old And I your am. trainer was also the assistant coach. He was doing yeah. two jobs. But that's <laughs> like when people, I always get an Isaiah Thomas, Chris Paul arguments because I think Isaiah is still like the best little guy I've ever seen, right? 100%. And it's like, and, well, and it's will, like well Chris Paul had a longer career. I will say this though, in fairness, 
I have moved Steph Curry into the same aisle with Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, but, Steph, but Steph's six three. Isaiah yeah. was, you know, Isaiah was. Yeah. Out of the, he's the little guy champ to me. Yeah, and I Isaiah agree with re- that. Isaiah retired when he was like thirty one. He played. Well, he had, he came, you know, he had injuries, and you know, he. You guys were in wars back then, and a thirteen year career for a point guard was like a lot. A lot, and and also you have to fact in, you know, these guys get to skip college now. You know, like all those yeah. guys, like LeBron and and and, and, and uh, Kobe, Kobe. Yeah, they're, they're some of the greatest ever. But you know, Michael Jordan stayed in college for three years. Well, that's the Kareem case, right? Like he yeah, comes into good. the league which if in if you did it the way you would now do it, now he would just come in right away. He'd be eighteen yes, in the NBA. But he still, so, yeah, so so, and he still has all the records. I'm, I'm glad you have enough common sense to factor that stuff in. I wish more people did because you just football is the same way. Quarterbacks are going to play like I'm sure Patrick Mahomes will play until he's 45, and he's one of the greats ever. But you know, it's he's also in an awesome era to be a quarterback. Where oh, it's a, it's a great nobody time. dives like, at your knees. Yeah. You know, nobody's allowed to hit you. Basically, uh, it's crazy. But you said something very interesting, like the medical advancements that these guys, number one, have at their disposal. I'm like. Damn, these guys, like there's times you see an injury, guys are back in three months, a year. That Because I remember when Bernard King, no guy ever came back from like an ACL injury. Right. So that's when the, he was that's out for two were, years. Yeah, that's when they were opening your knee up and everything. And I says, yo, man, the medical stuff is awesome. Uh, uh, so, yeah, now so, we yeah. have stuff like uh, – Brees Hall on the Jets tears his ACL halfway through the season. Yeah. And they're like, is he going to be ready for week one? It's like, he yeah, just tore his ACL a week ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly I think right. all this stuff's amazing. Is Turner going to keep basketball? I know, I know you're in the headlines about this, but you just don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I don't, not just Turner to ESPN because yeah. we already know that Amazon and Apple are going to bid on it. Yeah. And I don't know what the breaking point is for ESPN or Turner. Uh, I don't think anybody knows. I mean, because listen, I think the last thing anybody want to do is get in a bid war with Apple and Amazon because that's yeah. a that's a lose lose proposition. But the good thing about it, the next two years going to be very interesting, Bill. Um, I don't know. What's, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. Uh, but Amazon and Apple have said we're coming for the NBA. We don't know if we're going to lose some of it, all of it. Same thing with ESPN. Yeah, so you did that giant contract, but if if Turner doesn't have basketball, you're not gonna no work uh, for Turner. You'll just go to where the basketball no. is. You're not retiring. Uh you know you Bill, love money too much, dude. I Come got on. plenty of money, Bill. Yeah, I got plenty. You can never dude. have enough money. Yeah, yeah, yes, you can. Well, hey, you know what's so funny? I, 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 I think I got to start burning my shit. I'm not gonna lie. So you know, I was working on my uh, daughter's prenup. Yeah. I have I have one kid. My daughter, she's the greatest thing ever. But when I was sitting around this room with my accountants and my financial advisors, and they were just telling me how much money the government going to fuck me out of when I die. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. I've already, I've already paid money on this. They're like, yeah, yeah you have. But when you die, they're going to come back with their hands out and get, I was like, wait a minute. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, I said, man, uh, and I'm sitting there arguing with people who get paid to make this like, sure, yeah. our government are just crooks. You pay taxes on this money, but when you die, 
they're going to come back and get another couple handfuls. And I'm like, damn. That's why you got to have a good will. Well, I got a great will. Yeah. But I'm still like, and they only let you put a certain amount in a trust because you can only hide so much. And I was explaining this to my daughter. I says, it's a shame. You, your dad leaving you some of this money, but don't forget, you got to pay your taxes. <laughs> right. All right. Football. This is the big part of the podcast. Who do you got? What's your Super Bowl pick? What, what's your favorite storyline? Let's go favorite storyline first. What are you most excited about for the football season? NFL. The Detroit Lions. Oh, you're buying the Lions hype? I I love Dan Campbell. Okay. I love Dan Campbell. That guy makes me, like, you know, I played football for one day and then realized I was a wuss. I quit football after one day. When I'm watching Dan Campbell, I'm like, I, I want to do over. I want to play for that dude. So, uh, number one thing I'm looking for is I want the Lions to do well because I love me some Dan Campbell. All right, so you're rooting for the Lions, but you don't necessarily yes. think they're going. Are you, would no, you I, bet? I, a, are you going to be betting on the Lions? The Lions were great for me the last eight weeks of the season last year. Them and Pittsburgh, they were coming uh, through every week. Yes. But I will tell you this, my second storyline is my Philadelphia Eagles. I haven't got over the Super Bowl loss yet. Yeah. That was so painful. That was tough. That was so painful. You know, Patrick and Travis are great. And Chris Jones, if he ever comes in, Andy Reid's a great person. That was an unbelievable Uh, Andy Reid clinic in the second half. I mean, that was. was like really one of the best. But you guys better stop treating my guy Belichick bad. The Patriots you my, guys? What do you mean? It's, see, it's, I love Belichick. I love Belichick. He's one of my, I, I consider him a good friend. Oh. I'm so I'm so disgusted with some of these punk ass guys on television talk about Bill being on the hot seat and things like that. Oh, that he's really, not on the hot seat. That's that, not happening. It, it shouldn't even be close to the hot seat. No, they're going to be good. It, I'm picking them to make the playoffs. Pats well, are going to be good well, this well, year. I agree with you, but what's crazy? Is that the craziest division ever, though? Well, you know, AFC North might be just as good. Those Both of those divisions are absolutely What AFC loaded. North? What do you mean? AFC North, the Baltimore, Cincy, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. Like Those teams are all going to be, those teams are all tough and going to be tough to play. And then That's, AFC East yeah. has the same thing. Yeah, um, but I think the AFC East is because I think the ceiling on those teams are higher. Or lower uh, if two is one injury. Rogers, the offensive blank can't block. Who knows with the Pats? Th- that's true. But the, the Bills Pats, might be overrated. We have no idea. No team with Josh Allen is overrated. Let's get that out the way. Yeah, that is true. He's like a ba- he's like a basketball player who's just like a guaranteed forty eight wins I, every year. I, I want to watch Josh Allen play football every Sunday. Well, are but, you following this kid on the Eagles? The kid they drafted who fell to number nine, Carter. The defensive lineman. Yes, where, and, yes. And he, he would have been the first or second pick in the draft. But now yes. there's stuff coming out. Darius Slay had this interview the other day. Yeah, I saw and that. And he was just like, like not just raving about him. He was like, this guy is, he called him baby rhino. He's yeah. like, this guy is an absolute beast. And it's like, wow, did the Eagles who made the Super Bowl also get the best guy in the draft? Well, you know. It's possible. It is possible. But, but you saw all the stuff coming out. At Georgia, yeah, I mean, so so you. That's have why to they put, got him ninth. So you have to put all that stuff into play. That's why coaches and general managers get hired and fired. I'm glad my Eagles. Well, it looks like it looks like a great deal right now, but it has to play out. He has to keep his nose clean. Uh, I mean, 
Because you never know, man. You, you see all the time with football players, basketball players, they got tremendous talent, but they can't keep their shit together off, off time. Well, John Morant's the number one example of this uh, now, right? Perfect like, example. You got Antonio Brown, who's another perfect example. Yeah. Like, the talent gets you to the sport. It gets you to the pros. But you have to, because, man, especially once you start making that money, and that's the reason, because the football is the worst because they got a hard salary cap. Yeah. Pretty much. But once you start signing guys to all that money, Man, I really hope John Moran gets his crap together. Uh, I really do because he's such a talented kid. Uh, and listen, the money they're paying these guys, bless them. But man, you got to keep your crap together. And listen, I want my Eagles to get revenge because, man, when you when you get to the Super Bowl and don't win, like the year we played the Bulls for the championship. I catch myself even today, like, what the hell could I have done different mm. 25, 27 years later? Because it's so hard to get to the Super Bowl because it's easy to get to the finals, basically, in my opinion, because you have the best player four out of seven games. But football, to me, is by far and away the hardest sport to win. Well, because, you need some luck. You just never know. But every game is a game seven in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you have to be good and you have to get some luck. That's why I think what Bill has done in New England, him and Tom accomplished, is incredible. To go to 10 Super Bowls uh, is crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You could go through each of them and they could have won like two and they could have won like nine. That's exactly right. Because and they ended up go, with six together. Yeah, because if you go back and look, those three Super Bowls that they lost um, are arguably, but arguably three of the greatest performances by the other team. The two Giants and the Eagles yeah. won with Nick Foles. Those are three of the greatest Super Bowl performances of all time that they lost. Right. I mean, but but to get there that many times, man, you got to take your head off the bill and his coaching staff and Tom. I think they're going to be good this year. It's and I I thought they were going to be bad last year, and I was right. And I actually well, think I don't know what the hell I don't know what the hell they were thinking last year with that. I don't I, I, yeah. I don't even know how you how would you what word would you use to describe that coaching uh, situation? I would call it arrogant yeah. because arrogant. they were like, yeah, offensive coordinator. We'll just get this guy to do it, and <laughs> you know what? Pretty important job. You need a playbook. You yeah. need to talk to the the quarterback went sideways, and they kind of yeah. Mac Jones has rallied back this year. I know he's an Alabama guy, so you're not rooting for him. Yeah. But um, hey, listen, he's a pay. I, I, I want to see Bill do great. I got a lot of love and admiration for Coach Belichick. Well, he's thirty behind Shula, so I don't think he goes. I think it's thirty. I don't. He doesn't go anywhere until he breaks that record. He's going to keep going and going and going. Well, he deserves, he deserves the record. He wants the record. He, yeah. The cool thing, one of the things I like about him that I don't think people appreciate is he really does love the history of the game. Yes. And the, and the greats and records and all. Like, he really does care about that. He would never say it. Yeah. But he's but a real student. Of it. I hope he gets the record. He deserves the record. All right. Um, so you're coming back mid-October with the NBA? Yes. Right. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, because I have to stare I at Kenny just, again. 
No, because out of all the BS that goes on in the NBA, what the Nuggets and the Joker accomplished just made me feel good, man. Me too. I'm no, with super, you. no super teams. No, 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 su- no, no drama. No drama. I mean, you know, with Kyrie, there's drama. He a hell of a player, but there's drama. Uh, you know, that's the thing. Him and Giannis, Joker and Giannis, they make me feel good about my sport. To, you know to, who, to, I would, uh, who I would throw in with that? I think Tatum's been awesome to root for. He's been I an agree. awesome Celtic. I, I, I that agree. dude He's carries been, himself yeah. a great way. He says all yeah. the right things. He really I gives agree. a shit. Puts I the time agree. in. I so agree. I throw him because, in. There. Yeah, because I, I, I like, you know, they started the super team stuff, which I've always hate and always will yeah. hate. But when you got guys who just like, hey, I just want to be great at basketball. I got no drama. Like I say, Joker and Giannis go to the top front of the line. Tatum is in that same situation. I throw Jalen Brown in there. Uh, I, I love the I way he so. carries. I think he was up. hurt last year. At least yeah. I've talked myself into yeah. thinking that. Well, you know what? He had a giant gash on his hand. Yeah. Well, I don't know what he was doing in the garden. I saw that garden thing. Like, Jay, hey, hey, Jalen, you're rich now. Pay somebody to garden for you. Like, I don't work <laughs> in my damn yard. <laughs> I don't work in my damn yard. Come on, man. You you got 300 million reasons now. Just hire somebody for like yeah. $12 an Get hour. A staff. Get, get a staff. Somebody, hey, trust me, they'll cut your grass, do all the stuff around the yard. <laughs> trust me. Charles Barkley, great to see you as always. I'll see you during the season. Please come hey, back look, on. Hey, hey, man, anytime, man. You know, I got a lot of love and admiration and respect for you. You know, anytime you reach out. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Th- sad everybody in Atlanta. Thank you. I, I will do that. Be safe. All right. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all, y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe, named best home security system in 2024 by US News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service in home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/bs. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com/bs.
All right. So for years and years, we have joked about launching a Ringer podcast called Jewish Stuff, hosted by Juliet Lippman. And Mally Rubin would be barging into that podcast a lot. <laughs> um, never launched it. Still possible. Still waiting for the right offer for from a couple sponsors. But in the meantime... <laughs> We are going to talk about Jewish stuff because there is a new Netflix movie starring Adam Sandler and his two kids and his wife is in it. It is called You're So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah. It's, I think, the first Bat Mitzvah movie ever. Um, so we have the host of Jewish Stuff, Juliet, here, as well as Mallory, <laughs> who went to 65 bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. Uh, this whole culture has never been really penetrated with a big market movie. So Juliet, like you had, I think the most at stake, Mallory's probably in the top five, but you had the most at stake. What'd you think? I really liked it for like a, a lot of reasons that I, I'm excited to discuss. Uh, and I'm glad Mallory's here because Mallory's bat mitzvah theme was Jello, yeah. And we really needed someone to represent um, what it's like to have a theme because I did not. So, you know, we have a, a wide range of uh, bat mitzvah women here. So we've got a lot to dig into. So you went no theme. Like, is that like, I don't know enough about this. That's a specific choice. Are you saying I'm taking this so seriously? I don't need a theme. What's the, theme the rationale? The, it was not on the table in, in my household. Um, it was a, I think this, this movie does a really good job of capturing like both the parent and the kid perspective of like what a bar bat mitzvah is. And for my parents, it was um, not an event that uh, should have a theme. And so it did not. But for many other parents, that is not the feeling, including right, Mallory's. What was, what was your family's strategy, Mel? Okay, here's the thing. My parents never sent me to Hebrew school. I was not going <laughs> to have a bat mitzvah. And then growing up in Reisterstown, Maryland, receiving invitation after invitation to the social event of the weekend, I felt really left out, had the FOMO. And I saw that all of my friends were getting their bar bat mitzvah money. They had their fun themes. Also, they were making the journey into adulthood and having a meaningful cultural and social experience and a familial experience as well. And I thought... And religious. P.S. Don't leave that one out. <laughs> I'm sharing my personal journey. <laughs> For many others, that's obviously a part of it. And I thought, you know what? I can do this. Am I already in the middle of middle school? Yes. Can I just mainline some tutoring in one year? Why not try it? And so I joined Hebrew school late. I did a very aggressive round of tutoring to get ready for my Haftarah portion. And I had a, I had a bat mitzvah. I did it. I, I, jo I joined the collective experience, the communal experience that was happening all around me. And uh, it was great. And as Juliet noted, my theme was Jello. When you walked in, there was a sign that said Jello and Good Evening. Every table was a different flavor of Jello. My giveaway was a pair of boxer shorts that had a Jello mold illustration on the ass, and it said I wiggled and jiggled my way through Mallory's bat mitzvah. It was great. That's, it's absolutely and, astounding. Yeah, that's great stuff. I mean, the, the fact that you would have unhealthy food involved in one of the great days of your life is not a surprise. Re refreshing to and delicious. You know, had the Virgin Shirley Temple Bar. Virgin mojitos were a big plot point in this film for me. And uh, my pals, it was all about the Virgin Shirley Temple back in the day. So I'm uh, not sure you two know this, but I also have an extensive bar mitzvah history. Yeah. Uh, I'm in no way surprised since you are uh, living in Los grade. Angeles and from no, Boston. But this, is, this is growing <laughs> up in, in Boston and Brookline, which is very Jewish. Mm -hmm. And 
my family not Jewish at all, no idea what's going on. And then all of a sudden started getting invited to stuff. What is it like late sixth grade, early seventh grade, somewhere usually like seventh yeah. grade, right? Mostly seventh, seventh um, grade. Yeah. yeah. Um, and all of a sudden getting invites to these things, not knowing what it was. What What is this? What's a bar mitzvah? And then going to the first one and what, oh, so it's a huge party for this and there's some religion to it. And then it was like basically <laughs> my whole, I think seventh grade of just going to these. Yeah. I probably went to like, I don't know, 15, yeah. 16. Did you and give then gifts you could, in, in increments of high? Well, you could, I just, I think I probably brought the same gift to each one. I don't even so, know what I, I don't remember what I brought, but. Bill went with could, $54, three but, times high. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you could see there was some real stuff you would learn, right? Like who really put thought into this? Who really made it a splashy, almost like a wedding type of situation? Who just said, you know what, come and. My kid's going to do their thing, but it was a really fascinating thing. And I remember being like profoundly jealous yeah. that yeah. I just turned 13 and nothing happened. Yeah, Like that was it. Oh, it's your 13th birthday. Congrats. It was like, but all these other people are having parties. Exactly. So anyway, I was very there's, envious. There's a Wonder Years episode that's just like that. And the Wonder Years, Kevin and Paul have like the same birthday week. And for what? And so when Paul's turning 13 and Kevin finds out he has a bar mitzvah, He's like really jealous and he wants yeah. to get the money. It's a, it's a classic episode. <laughs> I will say though, when I, in the early eighties, the bat mitzvah was a little more unorthodox. Like the bar mitzvah was like, everyone has it. The bat mitzvah felt like it was still a little newish. Is that, is that recollection cor correct? Yes. So co like girls used to have confirmations also usually when they were older and it's, it's related to like the progression of Judaism and like uh, modern Judaism essentially. But like, yes, it started out as a thing for boys. And then, uh, but it also depended on like what kind of Jewish you were like reform, conservative, reconstructionist, orthodox, whatever. So it really, it really varied. And I think in some Jewish communities still it's only boys. Good scene in the movie about this, right? Yes. Where we're hanging out with all of the older members of the community who are reflecting on their past experience and how things have changed. And to Juliet's point from earlier, earlier, and all of my jokes aside about really craving the the gift money to go get my uh, creamsicle colored orange and white <laughs> iBook, which was the real goal <laughs> of the moment for me at the time. It, I do think the movie captured the... Uh, multifaceted, varied nature of this experience, both inside of a person's life and in a family unit and in a community where there is like the social aspect and that thing you're identifying, Bill, of like, okay, everybody is uh, aware that this is happening and it's a different weekend for each person and their portions vary, et cetera. Their themes vary, but it's this like shared experience across a swath of time. But also, right. it's a, a rite of passage, of a rite yeah. of passage into a, this new phase of your life. And this, uh, depending on what each individual person's relationship is to the actual religion of Judaism, as a, in addition to the you know culture of, of Judaism, uh, I thought the movie handled all of that pretty well in a, in a tight and, and very entertaining hour, 43 minute package. Great, great length, just an excellent length for a movie. But. The reason I think they also do that really well is the movie is set at a Jewish day school. They don't actually say that, but I was trying to figure it out for a while. And, I, and then I realized when they're all in school together that they're not going to Hebrew school like I did after school, but like they go to Jewish day school, like they go to like Solomon Schechter or whatever. So it is like a shared experience, but like all the time. And that's why they're all doing it. But the other thing that was really well done about it was it wasn't only white, which I think is also a good reflection of um, Judaism at the moment in America. I think it didn't really hit how actually in real life, how awkward this age range is. 
That my memory of these of going to all of these was the girls were all taller than the boys for the most part. The boys are terrified of the girls, right? The girls are more developed. They're just like everything's going on. And it was just a lot of the guys on one side of the room and the girl. You can't do that in a Netflix movie. You have to have the super cool 13 year old boy who everybody loves. And in real life, it's, I think, just way, way more awkward. But that wouldn't be fun in a movie. But there were those elements too, right? Like Mateo is clearly the right. more well-adjusted <laughs> youth and the like actual responsible young kid and the one you'd want your child to be spending time with. But yeah, he's like shorter. He's not a, a drawing the attention and the adoration of like the throng of young yeah. of youngsters the way that uh Andy Goldfarb is. And then you've got like Aaron. I loved Aaron. Aaron was quietly my MVP of the movie when he's just like, can you play some Journey? Right. And then no one wants to hang out with Aaron. I just loved that. I love DJ Shmuley. Love, love, love so much. And my bat mitzvah, I, there was like dancers. They didn't show any dancers. But I wish they I wish there had been dancers, pajama pants, and socks, which are like, you know, the, the three hallmarks of a bar mitzvah. How about but, the, like dedicating a candle to each person? It, and, like, candle lighting? The, yeah. Yeah. Needed the candle lighting. Uh, I just want to say I didn't do that either because my, my parents didn't want anyone to feel excluded. Oh, my God. Which hmm. I did it. My mom still has printed, framed, and hung on a wall the, the candle lighting speech I, I, I wrote for her, which is like littered with typos and as a professional editor just like fills me with shame every time I see it when I go back home. So what was, you must like all these years later, there must have been one phenomenal bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah that you went to that stands out. The Michael Jordan of the ones that you went to. So which was it and what made it stand out? For me, it was my camp friend, Samantha. Uh, Mm. It was at, it, she lived outside of Worcester and it was at a country club. And I don't think I'd ever been to a country club before. And I remember yeah. that we were able to like go outside and like walk around the grounds of the country club at night with boys. And I was like, this is awesome. And also being able to see camp friends when you, you know, in, in the middle of the school year was like the best. But the country club piece of it like blew me away because that was not something that I was at all familiar with. This is great. This is why you're you. You texted us before the pod saying you hadn't found a way to incorporate camp. And yet you did it on yeah, the fly. I, you did it on the fly. I never gave up hope. I never doubted. I always believed. What about you, Mel? Oh, boy. I think my favorite was Marcy Kaiser's, one of my best friends in the world, for a couple reasons, um, all of which were like merch centric. <laughs> it was just very on brand. She gave away medical scrubs as her gift. Great and gift. I had them th- like five years into adulthood, like through <laughs> college in my first few years in Manhattan, working, living a real life, still wearing those to bed every few nights. Incredibly comfortable. Those really stuck with me. Also, Marcy had, Juliet, did you, I, you must have made some of these. The, memory jars oh, where you would take a glass and fill it with water and then fill it with a bunch of stuff from the evening that reminded you of that time but also your friends and then you would melt a, either candles candle. or like yeah. crayons on top of it to <laughs> seal it and then you would keep it as a memory jar and it was this really nice idea though over time they would like rot and fester and like corrupt your room but nobody would want to mm. throw them away except of course for the parents who were like this is has some sort of like waterborne disease in it but Marcy had one of those at her bar mitzvah it was great <laughs> I went to a couple of great ones here in LA. I think that obviously as the decades pass, 
people get better and better at throwing these, which is part of the theme of the movie. But uh, a couple of my uh, my wife and I mean, uh, my son and daughter's friends had some good ones where the, all the parents, like it's, you know, it was almost like a wedding. It was like a wedding for a 13 year old, the same kind of vibe and people just having a real fun time, but also like some emotion, some speeches. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Thumbs up. Thumbs up on the culture. Certainly, I, I uh, didn't That's get to dabble time. into it in my in my own life. Uh, so one other thing with this Sandler movie, he cast both of his daughters as yeah. the two daughters. And the younger daughter is basically in every scene. And so this is... it's both the a bop, movie. It's a yeah. bat mitzvah movie, but it's also like kind of... I don't want to call it a rom-com, but it has a lot of the DNA of like a typical Netflix movie, but like a really well done version of it. I thought it was, I genuinely liked it. I watched it with my daughter and then, and I knew my daughter liked it because the next day she then watched it again with my, with my wife. Wow. So I was like, if you went the back to back double header of the same movie, that's, (laughs) that's pretty high praise. Um, But I was, I was just thinking about like him putting his kids in. I, I'm, I get nervous doing anything with my kids together, like going to dinner, going to a game. I can't imagine being <laughs> on a movie set with them for six weeks, hoping they remembered their lines and doing all that stuff. It was uh, it was pretty funny, but interesting. It's the most restrained Sandler we've seen in a while. I think he is probably so yeah. so nervous to be in a movie with his own kids. So it's it's basically <laughs> like he's barely in it. Like it's uh, he's certainly not the most important person in the movie. But yeah, but he has more like, of a supporting figure. Totally. But he he and his daughter have that incredible shouting match that you don't see, you only hear. And that yeah. is like, that is pure Sandler. I loved it so much. Also, it was the only Holocaust reference of the movie, which I also appreciated that, that <laughs> right. it came out in a fight. <laughs> and I thought both of his daughters were phenomenal. The younger were, one, yeah. Sonny, is the is the one who um like carries it. And the older one, Sadie, they they were both so good. And yeah. I would the whole time. It's I was kind wondering, of shocking. I I, I just tremendous. when I saw yeah. the trailer, I was like, oh man. <laughs> Boy, if this doesn't go well, this could this could be really rough. Like, what if Me one too. of them's not a good actor? Like, it's just yeah. it's a pretty big risk. It's, it's certainly more risky than like me bringing my daughter on to talk about the OC at the tail end of my podcast. <laughs> so this is a freaking Netflix movie that's going to be on the cover. But I thought they were really good. It, it makes sense, of course, when you're watching it that that Sonny Stacy Friedman is the actual protagonist and central figure of the story because while it is about bat mitzvahs and and Jewish culture and is very like specific in that respect, ultimately I think to your point, Bill, it's like a fairly coming universal of coming of age story, totally. you know, and and it's going to appeal to a lot of kind people. Of, yeah, women friendship. being friends, but also kind of yeah, well, you know, young there's friendship. that little a guy can always ruin this type of element that's always in a million rom coms, right? Absolutely, and like, but whether it's a whether it's a crush or not, it's like the idea of friendship that evolves as you grow is just something that people are always drawn to because it reminds you inevitably of like someone or something in your own life. Right. And so like if you are adapting and changing, is the person who's been this like central presence in your life able to accept and adapt and change with you? Are you able to do that for them? I, I, I mean, mostly the movie is like just very charming and very sweet and very amusing. At the end, I thought that it was actually like, moving i was genuinely touched by this <laughs> journey well, to be fair you have cried during 930 <laughs> elements of pop culture movies or tv yeah so the movie's got to check that box and it did yeah no it was good i i agree i thought it was uh i thought it got a little emotional at the end juliet you've i don't know if anyone's consumed more content than you of the relationship between 
two women as they grow up or they age or they age together. I don't, I don't know where this ranks for you, but what's what's like number one on that list of oh, the man. characters aging together and the roller coaster ride of whatever their friendship was? Because that's kinda, that's a staple. I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but there is a clear like most important text in this film in this genre, and it's beaches. I'm sorry, but it is. No, I think that's fair. <laughs> um, with the great Bed Midler, obviously, uh, mm. and Maya Bialik playing the same character. I mean, that is a foundational movie. I think that's really, really important. Um, Bill, I do love friendship, and I love stories about friendship a lot, so I, I really enjoyed this. And I think one thing it does really well is it also, um, it nods to some of the, like, important, like, uh, predecessors, like Mean Girls and Dear yep. God, are you, are you there? It's me, Margaret. Yeah. And yeah. It, it has like just the right amount of those things while also being original that it's like much like a bat mitzvah. You know, it knows where it's coming from, but it's kind of carving its own path. And I thought that that was really, really well done. Um, I also thought that uh, something that like really resonated was the fighting with your mom over what you get to wear and then commiserating with your friend the second you're out of your mom's view. Um, mm. And that, and so like that part of the relationship between the two girls, I thought was really sweet. And the way they like brought each other's shoes was just so touching and so real. And also the so real fighting with your mom about like what you get to wear to your bar mitzvah. I mean, I I had, I had to negotiate, like I had to trade like dress for shoes, basically. Like mine was the opposite of what's in the film. I was like, can I wear umbros? Like, can I wear soccer (laughs) shorts? My mom's like, here's a ball gown. So does this become like Shawshank for Jewish girls? What happens to this movie? You know, like who doesn't watch this? movie? If you're a Jewish girl, is there any way you don't watch this movie? I really hope people do, because I think I was thinking a lot about this in preparation for the pod. There actually are very, very few earnest and like um, authentic representations of the bar and bat mitzvah experience in pop culture, like very few. And I actually think that Adam Sandler is like a huge part of many of the big ones. I mean, I'm an unabashed Adam Sandler super fan. So yeah, maybe that's just how I feel. But it actually, there's not a lot of competition. Like this is, this is like unique in that way. Mal, could you think of anything else that like in your lifetime that you thought like captured this? I mean, if you couldn't come up with something, there's (laughs) (laughs) But think how crazy that is though. I could. It's and everybody goes through it. How many wedding movies have we had over the years? We've had like a million, so and and this is like the only bot mitzvah movie we can think of. Maybe this well, will be new IP. This will spawn an expand an expanded like a universe franchise. And Rabbi Rebecca and Cantor Jerry will be the stars of a spinoff. <laughs> Cantor Jerry just the singing was also so real. Like that is a yeah. time. <laughs> A very um, specific kind of canter that takes any moment and just sets it to a song. <laughs> All right. So I asked Juliet to make a list of her most important Jewish pop culture touchstone moments. And we're going to go into them right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather, you want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 
2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax, knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. This episode is brought to you by Nissan SUV. It's good to stay up to date. I mean, we've seen this in basketball, we've seen it in football, we've seen it in baseball. Once the stats started taking off in the 2000s, everybody had to figure that out. Then I remember in basketball, first it was three-pointers, then it was defensive stats. You just got to keep moving, you got to keep evolving, you got to keep going. Now it's pace and threes. What's it going to be next, big guys? That's why the 2024 Nissan Rogue has Google built right into its 12.3-inch touchscreen infotainment system. With Google Maps, Assistant, and more, you can stay up to date on everything that's ahead without even needing to connect your phone. Find your next adventure with the Nissan SUV. Learn more about the Rogue, Pathfinder, and Armada SUVs at NissanUSA.com. All right, Juliet. I don't think you've ever responded to a text more happily and eagerly and faster than me asking you for to do this assignment, which was, you know, I don't, I don't, we're not gonna do like a Hall of Fame or a Mount Rushmore or any of that, but there's very distinct Jewish pop culture moments in TV shows and movies and songs that just kind of levitate above all of them, everything else. So you're going to read your list. Mallory and I don't know what it is, and we're just going to react off the list. Okay. So I just want to say, I I mentioned the Holocaust before. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but uh, that's an entire genre of film that is just like not included for me in this way for, for the most part. It's I, I just think that's 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 the right idea. Different thing. Okay. Yeah. All right, great. So that's a different <laughs> different podcast segment. That's fair. Like, I, I'm sorry, Steven Spielberg, but like we're just not going there today. So yeah. with that said, I'd like to um, begin with the very much maligned and not perfect and certainly aged interestingly, but very important in this moment. Edward Norton's Keeping the Faith, an incredibly important Jewish movie. Oh, tell us why. First of all, did you do you guys recall this film? Because it stars. I I don't know if I ever saw it. Oh my God. Well, Edward Norton's movie. (laughs) Oh my God. You guys are crazy. What a Edward Norton's directorial (laughs) debut. (laughs) Wow. Okay. It stars Ben Stiller, Edward Norton, and Jenna Elfman in her Dharma and Greg Prime. It's an Upper West Side classic in which uh, Edward Norton is a priest. Ben Stiller is a rabbi. They're childhood best friends. Their their third is a young girl who moved away. And then she comes back and she's like hot. And she's uh, uh, Jenna Elfman. Um, They both fall for her. One is a priest. So that's really a problem. And then Ben Stiller is a rabbi who like everyone in the, in the congregation is trying to say you're making this up. This This is a real movie. I swear to God. And the through line of the film is that uh, Ben Stiller is the cool rabbi who helps kids prepare for their bar mitzvahs. And there's one kid who's like his voice is changing. And so he's having a really hard time figuring out how he's going to chant his Haftorah. And Ben Stiller comes up with this chant for him, which is, I love that I suck. I love that I suck. I love it. And they just say it over and over again. I can't believe you guys haven't seen this movie. Your Jewish listeners are outraged. And Mallory, well, we're This is why we need Jewish stuff as a podcast. You could have done a rewatchable on Keeping Boy. the Faith. All right. What's next? <laughs> okay. Next. <laughs> the Drake video. Hell yeah, fucking right. Where he stages a bar mitzvah. Iconic, Essential. Iconic pick from you here. <laughs> now I have heard of this. Yeah. Great work. 
I think Drake. So Drake, Jew, he's half Jewish. His mom, mother is Jewish. So in the eyes of the Jewish God, he is Jewish. It's a matrilineal uh, situation. Um, Drake is one of the most outspoken Jews we have. In fact, I was watching some of a lot of his uh, Saturday Night Live material, and it basically is all about being black and Jewish. So Drake, we thank you. All right. Welcome um, aboard, Drake. <laughs> next. First Wives Club. Great bar mitzvah scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Very, I know um, this one. Very yeah. important bar mitzvah scene, which Dan Hedaya walks in with his second wife, je- played by Sarah Jessica Parker, who is a total moron. Uh, and his first wife is Bette Midler. Second Bette Midler reference on this podcast for anyone counting. And it's it's really good. Also, just an absolutely incredible movie. We got Diane Keaton to represent the entire Diane Keaton oeuvre from the Woody Allen movies, which, you know, sort of makes its way in here. It's a First Wives Club is excellent. It's not currently streaming, which is a crime. Good one. Next. Okay. Thank you. Um, Prime. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> I'm really enjoying myself. I don't even really know if I, we need to talk. I'm just like, She's I'm basking in Juliet's glow. Pulsing <laughs> like, through Zoom. I feel like I'm watching Steph Curry just shoot threes. This is great. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's going to get more... We're just rebounding for Steph. It's going to get more weird and then it's going to get less weird. So just bear with me. Okay. Okay. Prime, starring Brian Greenberg, Mm -hmm. Meryl Streep, and Uma Thurman. I like this movie. Yeah. This movie is great. And Brian Greenberg is one of the hottest living actors. Um, Thanks for being Jewish. It's a great one. (laughs) He's... And he was also in How to Make It in America. And He's been in a bunch of stuff. So is he like the kind of the Jewish Ryan Reynolds, basically? Definitely. I think yeah. that like, also, you know, who he's married to Bill. Who? Real, real world San Diego's very own Jamie Chung. Jamie Chung. Yeah. Oh, what a couple. Wow. I know. They were, it's yeah. really it's fantastic. Right, Good right job in our by them. Sweet spot. <laughs> I think Prime's a good movie. I actually I, think I do too. Prime is a classic. Just should have been a TV show. Definitely. It actually mm-hmm. shouldn't have been a movie. They could have dove in and they could have built it up toward like episode six. She finds out that her patient is actually dating Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman's great in that movie too. I'm I'm pro that movie. Very quick Uma Thurman note. For some reason, she started doing voice work and, and accents and everything. And I just want her to go back to being Uma Thurman. I don't know yeah. if you guys have watched Red, White, Royal Blue, but it's weird. I have not. Okay. Next. This is probably the weirdest pick. When are we getting a curb? I don't I, like, are you saving it? What's going I on? I told here? you it was going to get more weird and then less weird. Okay. <laughs> Crossing to Lancey, starring Amy Irving. It's a really, really good movie that a lot of people's grandmothers and mothers made them watch. So it's really, really good. What's the plot of Crossing to Lancey? Her grandmother is trying, she's like an unmarried disaster. She's, her grandmother's trying to set her up with the pickle guy on the other side of Delancey Street. It's like okay. both about Lower East Side culture. I think Amy Irving was still married to Steven Spielberg at that point. So it's like from that sort of access, whatever. All right. Now, Bill, on to HBO. Yeah. Ari Gold's Daughters Bought Mitzvah, the Entourage episode. Uh, legendary Thank episode. Yeah. Season two finale with, or no, not finale, with episode 10. It's first of all, crucial time in Entourage. I love the Mandy Moore era. I love when Melinda Clark is on the show and uh, drama and turtle being really high and starving at the bar mitzvah is just incredible. (laughs) Great episode. (laughs) Love this pick. Yeah, nice pick. Really good. Curb, very hard to choose just one, but... Almost impossible. I think we have to have at least like three for Curb. So I went back and I rewatched the season two finale, of season five, six finale of that, which is when Jeff's daughter, Sammy, has her bar mitzvah. 
I was cackling so hard. I was just, it was when there was the rumor that Larry likes to put a gerbil up his butt was circulating. So he used yeah. the bar mitzvah to set up the score. And uh, Vivica A. Fox is Loretta as his date. It yeah. is so fucking funny. I actually think it's over. It's, it's like not given enough credit. It is so funny. I love that season. So I would have that one. The baptism episode, I think from season two. When, <laughs> That's uh, a good one. Which is basically uh, his... His Cheryl's sister converted a Catholic who's converting to her side to get married. And somehow Larry fucks it up and it ends with all the Jewish guests on one side and all the Catholic guests on the other side. Like almost like West Side Story. That part I have. <laughs> Palestinian chicken, I think, is the other one. Where the chicken's so good that they, yeah. even though it's run by a bunch of Palestinians, they're like sneaking in. And then it turns out one of his friends is actually cheating on, you know, his wife by going to the chicken place because it's the only place he's not going to be seen. That episode's <laughs> excellent. Wait, so do you two not consider the survivor eligible based on the previously stated rule? The Holocaust? No, the survivor's in there too. I mean, the, the curb, I think, I think the has done iconic. the best. That's the most that iconic episode, is, episode to me. Yeah. It's that's so, a Hall I mean, episode. And then the sheet with Gina Gershon is also just unreal. Well, and also Super Dave's character on Curb is like a, a Jewish Mount Rushmore character. Like, <laughs> Funkhauser. <laughs> Every See, moment with him is the great. Best. All right, I think Curb's leaned into it the, the most consistently the best. Like, I Sandler's agree. probably the MVP for just all Jewish Volume. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the Hanukkah song and all the other stuff he's a done. Crazy yeah, Nights. Of yeah. And then, yeah. I want to mention the wedding singer, which really captures the seventh grade boy oh, yeah. awkwardness so well when the kid dances with Drew Barrymore. It's so, so sweet. Uh, I love I love that. Um, the the two episodes from Seinfeld where Jerry can't get time away from his parents, so they go see Schindler's List, Schindler's List, and make oh out during God. it. Raincoats <laughs> one and two. <laughs> Unbelievable. Historic. That's my favorite thing about Schindler's List is those episodes <laughs> of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I got a few more. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I think Maisel be on here. Yeah. will go down as maybe like the most Jewish show of all time with the least number of Jewish people. Um, yeah. It's like pretty, it's pretty amazing. That also, I would say, actually doesn't really bother me personally, but I, I think that it captures a really specific part of Jewish culture that like everything else we have mentioned is kind of born from. And also the comedy piece of it is, is like so important. Like the Borscht Belt is really like <laughs> tied to like Mel Brooks, Barry Levinson, Albert Brooks, like Woody Allen. Like they all kind of come out of that tradition. Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld. So like, it, I just think it's like an, a, a pretty important show and also um, a great show. And um, a lot of like, just like people and characters to love. Well, I can't wait to Joel. see if Woody, well, <laughs> I can't wait to see if Woody makes this list or not. So what are, what are, I mean, it's your list. We'll see. I'm on pins and needles. Uh, Mallory just, um, Mallory and I have a fundamental dis dis disagreement about the Marvelous yeah. Mrs. Maisel, which is that I really like Joel and rooted for him the entire time of the show, played by Kevin Zeggers, and Mallory despises him. Okay. I have rarely rooted for a character's death as fervently as I rooted for Joel's. <laughs> Great show. <laughs> Okay. All right, what's next? Um, you asked about Woody Allen. I do have Annie Hall on this list. I think it's pretty think important. It has to be. First of all, it's kind of like the, the first rom-com of the modern rom-com era. So there's, there's that. 
the um, Diane Keaton and Woody Allen relationship that is, you know, replayed through other films and other relationships is so fundamental, again, to the entire genre. And then he has that really famous scene where he, like, imagines himself as a Hasidic Jew. So, I mean, it also, like, introduces the concept of neuroses, I think, to a mass audience. In fact, one of our colleagues watched Fleischman is in Trouble, which is also, I think, on, on this list. just going to mention Fleischman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eerie. And asked me about like Jewish neuroses. And I was like, well, have you watched any Woody Allen movies? Like start with Annie, Annie Hall. So I think to like understand a lot of like Judaism culture, you can't not watch Annie Hall. It's very important. Also, it leads to When Harry Met Sally, which is basically, you Perfect know, it doesn't rip off Annie Hall, but it, it definitely, it's an homage in some ways, I would say. What's next? All right, all right guys, I got two more that I think are important. I have a couple and I'm not even Jewish, but I can't wait to give you mine. Wet Hot American Summer, not exclusively mm. Jewish, but camp. Uh, it's camp. Yeah, I mean, you know, DM me if you want to talk about camp, everybody. Um, <laughs> and then, our, I think behind Adam Sandler, the Stiller family is number two, what they've done for mm-hmm. Judaism pop culture. And I'm going to go with Meet the Parents. I think that uh, Ben Stiller in that movie, also him and Owen Wilson talking about Jesus as a carpenter and the Jew uh, is one of my favorite scenes. And it's incredible. Some great choices, Mel. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I I probably watched Meet the Parents like 47 times the year it came out. It's great really one. funny. It's really, really funny. I also just want to add, there's a lot of like uh, cartoon comedy episodes about Bar and Bat Mitzvahs like in Big Mouth and like Rugrats and just like it's a big thing in, in cartoons obviously because it's for kids and so it's like something they're going towards or it's about kids or whatever. But um... Much like my guy, Chris Ryan, I don't really do animation. So that's not on my list. I have two ads. <laughs> one was the White Shadow in the late 70s. One of the characters was named Goldstein. And they had a whole Jewish episode with him. But it also led to they had a country club episode where the, some of the team was eating the country club. And the waiter said, we have roast beef au jus. And somebody said, is that how Goldstein eat, eats it? Great joke. Really killed on the White Shadow. Everybody <laughs> laughed. That's one. The other, and I can't believe you didn't mention this, and I'm actually a little hurt because I, I, I always feel like you're on my 90210 love level. David Green. the college episode in season five, sophomore, Brandon's sophomore year when Brandon's the student president and there's the, the, the Black Coalition had some speaker who had said offensive things about Jewish people at some point and it turns into this big war on campus. And then it turns into a whole thing about David Silver. Andrea gives this David Silver a big speech, brings her grandmother in from the Holocaust. David, are you are you Jewish or not? And then he goes to protest at the end. And it's a pretty emotional 902-0. I just messed up his name and I left it off. I'm I'm really sorry, Bill. I've let you down. You're well, right. David Green is another one we could add because that was school ties, which I we know. did on the rewatchables. I, yeah, I, I feel know. like I that's gotta for sure be in there school too. ties would be on, on the list. Yeah, school ties should be on there. Missing here. School ties has to be on there. No one mentioned Fiddler on the Roof. Well, that's just, a classic. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. You could go no, actually, either poll with like the recency or the primacy. You know, you could you could throw out Fiddler. What about no love on on Sean Fantasy's behalf for the for the Fablemans? Is a oh, modern entry here? Yeah, you're. I, you I know, know Jilly didn't love the Fablemans. It was her list. <laughs> I'm sorry. She didn't I, have Yentl on there either. I mean, Yentl I know. was. I know. I was thinking about. Well, what about Streisand. the Seth Rogen Barbara Streisand movie? That's not. That's out. That just didn't make it. No. I, I I will say 
I regret not mentioning Dirty Dancing, which is not explicitly Jewish, Ooh. but it's a Jewish movie. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, I mean, the they are a Jewish family. Also, it kind of it gets back to like families going to the Catskills, and um, also they don't really say it, but like I think you're supposed to assume Patrick Swayze's character Johnny Castle is not Jewish, and that's part of why the father so against him. Like that is definitely a Jewish movie, and also so, and a great movie. Porky's a movie that I think has been canceled mm. seven times over at this point. <laughs> but also one of the big plots was about one of the kids was Jewish and they were like bullying them and it turns into a whole thing. And then at the end, they all become friends. But that, that was probably for like a mainstream comedy about um, as far as I've seen it go with something like that. Mm. Not enough Coen Brothers talk. Let me just throw that out there. We have to get a serious, serious man. man on the list. We have to. Some, you know, I just, I've said this to Bill probably a thousand times over the last year. I'm just looking to feel good. And um, a lot of these movies are not feel good movies. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite Juliet corners. Uh, I respect it. She, she doesn't want to do another, you know, the, like we were kind of aligned on The Last of Us as good as that show was. It's like, I just didn't feel good about myself after yeah. every episode of that. Like, my favorite the show of the I, year. The I, I, I we, feel, we get it. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's good, but like the worst I want to feel is like wondering about uh, what happened in the final scene of White Lotus. You know, like I I'm good. I'll just like let's be a little bit more frivolous. It's a it's a tough world out there. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Any last thoughts, Mal? Uh, this was a this was an incredible experience. I I'm I'm privileged to have earned the invitation despite not carrying Juliet's passion or expertise for the subject matter. It was great to earn the invite. invitations. Yeah. This, this is how Did, I felt when I got a Barb on its invitation back in the day. I'm putting the, I'm putting this zoom invite in a little, a little album. I'm going to keep it for years. Did we make a mistake not mentioning Sean Green, the baseball player? Sandy Koufax? Who had a run there as one of the best outfielders Sorry, in the world. Bill. And then Sandy Koufax. And it's, it's, it's 2023. If you're going to mention Jewish baseball players and I'm on the pod, we're going to talk about Dean Kramer, starting pitcher for Team Israel. And oh, that's a good one. Centerpiece of, a, you know, a Baltimore Orioles starting rotation that he's been pitching better lately. He had a great start. But Sean this Green week. was like the, one of the best outfielders in the league. And had, didn't he have well, like a Jewish name? What about the guy who got suspended for Super using hammer. PEDs on the on the Brewers? Ryan Braun. Yes, he was Ryan Jewish, Braun. Right? Well, just had to mention Dean Kramer. Love the Soos <laughs> team. Looking for any opportunity I get I mean, to talk about these Baltimore Orioles. If you want to talk Jewish athletes, I mean, we could talk about the time I was in Israel and I tried really hard to buy an Omri Caspi jersey and couldn't find mm, one. Omri <laughs> Caspi is another one. <laughs> the, probably uh, the, one of the only people. <laughs> The Koufax 60s run, I think, is is the Jewish sports a apex, right? You're not beating that. Baseball mattered the most yeah. in the 60s and the whole thing. All right. I'm glad we did this. I'll get over the 90210 thing. I really thought that episode meant more to you, Juliet. <laughs> I don't understand. You know, I wish I also had mentioned Josh from 90210, a great character. Josh Richard. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, you can check out that Netflix movie. It's good. I think we all, we all genuinely liked it. It's fun. It and great. Uh, It really ties fun. in a lot of these themes. Mallory, we can hear you on your own feed. House, House of, of R. R. We've yeah. spun you off. Yeah. Yet another Ringer spinoff. So you can hear Mallory in that. You can hear Juliet on uh, Ringer Food. Bachelor Party. How are we feeling about the Bachelor franchise? 
We're feeling good. Gary. We're good. Gary. We're back. His name is Jerry. I have to always remind myself. Uh, Golden Bachelor. I'm really excited. And Bachelor in Paradise is always fun. I think it's going to be a good fall. Thursdays from 8 to 11. It's a really long commitment, but I'll be there. What? <laughs> 8 yeah. to 11? Yeah. They're doing them back to back on the same night. Wow. Can you believe my mom wasn't on Golden Bachelor? Like, would there have been a better character? <laughs> she would have had like nine glasses of wine and started berating somebody. It would have been unbelievable. The, the first person and I she would inquired, have looked great. The first person I inquired about to have on the pod to recap it was, in fact, your mom. So <laughs> I also was like, I'm going to take this opportunity to see how we can make content with her. <laughs> I was excited. My mom listened to Tara Palmieri's entire first episode of Somebody's Got to Win and said nice. she liked it and she was spunky. And then told me the glass of wine she drank as she listened to it. What was it? Which go, I forget what it was, but <laughs> goes back to my theory that this should just be a podcast of my mom recapping what she watched or listened to the night before and, and then what glass of wine she had. Uh, Mallory, good luck with the Orioles. Juliet, great to see you as always. Look forward Thank to you. see you all in person. Thanks for being on. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to our guy, Charles Barkley. Thanks to Juliet Littman and Mallory Rubin as well. Thanks to Kyle Creighton and Steve Cerruti. Don't forget new rewatchables, Cruel Intentions. Don't forget to check out Destination NBA, a G League Odyssey, our documentary that we did on Amazon's Prime Video. There's a lot of discussion this week about what's going on with sports stocks. We made a really good sports stock. Go find it. If you're mad that the quality of sports stocks are going down for the most part, and that's true, they are, go check out Destination NBA. It's good. I'm proud of it. I've done a lot of these. I have a pretty good track record. I'm telling you, it's a good film. I am going to be back on Sunday. We're going to be diving into football really hard next week. So be ready. I'll see you then. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just 
once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. 